To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Please stand clear of the doors. For favor, So today on Miles from Main Street, I'm going to spend some time talking about Walt Disney's history. Before we get into that, Mikhailo is off one more week. He uh, just returned from his trip to Disney World, and he had a great time, and we will talk about that next week. So make sure you tune in next week to hear about his trip. If you guys are enjoying the show, it would really help us out if you go out, share this with somebody you know, let them know how much fun you're having listening to the show. As you guys may know, I have a great affinity for Walt Disney history. Uh, When I first started digging into his history, I wanted to know uh, his early life, what he was doing prior to becoming famous, prior to building this empire that he created, what brought him to that point. And that's what gave me an interest in Marceline. So if you guys go back uh, a few episodes back in May, you'll see some episodes about uh, Marceline, Missouri, and and what we got to do there. Um, it was a very pivotal point in his life. But I'm not here to talk about that. I'm talking about his military background. Um, so there's a legend out there, and we're going to dive into what the truth is behind this legend. I lent out Bob Thomas's biography on Walt Disney. Now, this is the biography that's been accepted by the Disney family. Um, it is the smaller of the two main biographies out there. The other one is the Neil Gabler uh, biography. That one's a little more controversial, and it was sourced uh, for that PBS documentary done back in about 2011. Um, So there's information in there you can check out too if you want to go see what that's all about. But I'm here to help uh, figure out if this legend was true. So my friend was out reading this biography and uh, talking to a friend. And that friend said, oh, does it mention how Walt Disney was dishonorably discharged? And she brought this up to me uh, in passing one night when we were uh, visiting. And I said, wow, I, you know, I don't recall that. And I was a little preoccupied with other things that evening, so I couldn't um, really give a good answer. But I wanted, it stuck with me. You know, after that, it stuck with me. And I wanted to look into it a little more. And um, I do recall some uh, information from reading the biography. It's been a few years now about uh, his service prior to building the company um, in 1923. So uh, I went looking and found that, yes, there is something that happened, um, but let's dive into it. So before we can really dig into this, I think we need to go backwards a little bit and look at his uh, upbringing. Um, You know, he lived in many different areas. Chicago is where he was born. Marceline is where he went to next. He spent some time after that in both Chicago and Kansas City. Um, And during this time, he always lived with Roy. And he got to watch as uh, he was growing older, Roy go off to the military. Uh, He was 17 when he left. Um, Roy was 17. And, you know, 
Walt even got to go visit with him. And uh, in fact, when he was visiting, Walt uh, was almost shipped out as he was mistaken as a recruit. And uh, Roy actually stopped and said, no, 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 he's only 15. He's my brother. Um, he can't go. Well, Walt desperately wanted to serve. He was a tremendous patriot. Uh, if you're aware, he does have a big love for Abraham Lincoln, has had that since he was a young, young boy. Um, and that just builds into his patriotism for this country. Uh, so he really wanted to serve. Uh, he has a friend at the time that learned that Canada would take boys younger than 17. So this friend of his and, and Walt decided they were going to run for the border of Canada and enlist there. Well, the friend's mother found out about that and decided, no, you're not doing that. Called up Flora Disney and, and said, you know, this is what they have planned and, and the, the plans are stopped. Well, this wasn't going to deter Walt from enlisting somehow. He still wanted to get over there and help in this effort. So his friend, this Russell that he was working with, he also found that um, the Red Cross Ambulance Corps was uh, accepting volunteers as young as 17. The problem here is that Walt was 16. And to be able to enlist, you would need your parents to sign an affidavit. Uh, Elias immediately said, no way. I am not signing a death warrant for my son to go help out in this war effort. Well, Flora realized that her son was not going to give up so easily, and uh, and she agreed to sign. Uh, what Walt did not tell them is that he wasn't old enough. So after, after Flora had signed the affidavit, he, uh, he changed the date of his birthday. Instead of it reading December 5th, 1901, it read December 5th, 1900. Now, the cool thing about this is that the archives actually has this form. And they, off, they will bring it out on dis to display once in a while, which I think is pretty awesome that we're able to actually see this piece of artwork that he had done um, to, you know, forge his name. Um, this is not the first time he's done this. He uh, did it so that he could get paper routes. He's done it, um, you know, to get jobs with newspapers when he was first starting out uh, a different time, I guess. Um, but he did it, and uh, he enlisted. They went to uh, Camp Scott uh, near Chicago and started learning how to take uh, vans apart, put them back together, how to drive in, you know, rugged terrain, um, and then he got the flu. This is back when the big flu epidemic in the early 20th century was around. Uh, and because of uh, its impact on the country, they sent him home. And Flora took care of him, even though she also had the flu. And so did his uh, little sister, Ruth. Uh, and so he was home for a couple of weeks and finally uh, got over that and, and was able to return and when he got back, the war had been declared over. Well, he still wanted to go. They did need some people to go over and help with the withdrawal of the troops. So he, um, he was chosen as one of 50 people that they needed to send over. And so he got to go. 
Uh, and this is where, you know, he was very much looked at as a, a resource, an asset to the Red Cross. And he, um, he took generals, drove generals around while he was there. And um, at one point, it was February, and something happened. Um, he, Walt had done some interviews for the Saturday Evening Post, the writer Pete Martin conducted those interviews. Um, there is audio of those available. Uh, I am going to read, in Walt's words, an excerpt of that interview. Um, this is where the legend kind of starts. And it's, so this is Walt's words. It was in February. They sent me with a white truck. I was the driver, and I had a helper. A white truck loaded with beans and sugar to the devastation to the devastated area in Soizan. Well, I went out of Paris and it started to snow. I got up partway and I burned out a bearing on the truck, close to a watchman's shed. So, the orders were never to leave your truck. Sugar and beans were gold. So the helper was supposed to go and I'd stay with the truck. There was this little watchman's shed and I sat with the watchman. I sat two nights and no help came. So the third day, I was so tired, so sleepy, that I left my truck and I walked up to this town and ordered a meal. Then I got a bed and I flopped into this French bed and I slept clear around the clock. And then I went back and my truck was gone. I didn't know what had happened. I got a train into Paris. When I got into Paris, I found out the story. This helper got into Paris and went out that night before he reported to the headquarters and got drunk, and he was drunk for two days. Then he finally reported, and he came to find me. I was gone, and he picked up the truck, so I was court-martialed, which he can't actually be court-martialed because he wasn't in the military. They brought me up before this board, and the greatest disgrace would be to be kicked out of the Red Cross, you know? Then this fellow that I had worked for came to my defense. He was almost like my attorney. He said, look, this boy sat there for two nights. What happened to the helper, he said. Have you court-martialed the helper, they said. Yes, he was in the brig. So they let me off. Well, that's, you know... Walt's specific style, um, but, uh, you know, basically what happened, he was facing serious charges of abandoning his vehicle because the food was so scarce. Um, and I'm reading this last paragraph here from The Vault of Walt, Volume 3, written by Jim Corcus. If you ever get an opportunity to read Jim's work, uh, all of his Vault of Walt books are just amazing. He tells some great stories. So this... This uh, paragraph is right in the middle of page 8. Walt faced serious charges of abandoning his vehicle because food was so scarce that people were stealing any food they could find. A friendly st sergeant spoke on his behalf that Walt had done all that was physically possible by remaining with the truck for those three days, and that after all, Walt was only 17 years old. The review board of officers agreed, and no discipline was imposed. Walt's assistant, that helper, he landed in the local guardhouse. So, 
this is where legends have some sort of basis in truth. Uh, Walt was in the Red Cross. He was not a part of the U.S. military. In fact, after this incident, Walt was actually offered jobs for three times as much pay as he was getting um, to work in other areas of the uh, of of Europe's where where they were getting the troops home. Uh, he turned it down because he was so homesick. But uh, you know, this is not so. He was never dishonorably discharged, as the legend goes. He was actually. Uh, court-martialed if you would um which even in the red cross that's not the appropriate term here but uh he was never let go and uh he was he was able to move on and could have served longer had he wanted to um i think that's very important to note here that uh you know the the stories are that he was dishonorably discharged but that never you know never anything like that had happened um this legend is continued on in many military ranks. Um, a lot of times on tours in the um, Pentagon, you'll see people um, giving those tours, and they'll mention Walt Disney, you know, to new recruits being dishonorably discharged, um, and it just kind of perpetuates. It. And you know, back to that friend of mine, uh, she had said that he had he was a military veteran, and um, he he was told this legend as well uh, as a matter of being fact. So let's dive in a little bit more to his patriotism. Uh, back in World War II, when that came along, the Disney studio was clipping along. We've already had Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs come out. And uh, he had a, an, a group of animators working for him at that time. And then Pearl Harbor was bombed. This is when... The U.S. government was looking to station uh, a presence in California in case uh, the Japanese decided to come at the mainland. Uh, and they found that the Disney Studios was a good place to do that. So they took over the space, having to give up uh, offices to the, to the um, higher-up officers uh, and providing space for them to store you know, weapons vehicles what have you um and this was a difficult time because it pretty much shut down production for disney um but he was able to keep his animators working at this time because he found that he wanted to help the effort so they started creating training videos that the military could use so they created these videos and donated them to our country um, you know, this is just another example of how patriotic Mr. Disney was. So you might hear some of those negative things out there about Walt. But, you know, when it really comes down to it, he uh, he really did care about his country and he wanted to help. And he found what ways to do that. Um, you know, going back to being in the Red Cross, uh, you know, if he could have waited one more year, he never would have served probably because... The war would have been done. So I think this really shows how tenacious he was. Um, he wouldn't take no for an answer. It really started at a young age when he was trying to find jobs, when he was trying to get into the military or any way that he could help in the effort. Um, he would do whatever it took. 
Uh, so I, you know, I often think about this when we look at some of the projects we lost when he died, specifically Epcot. Um, you know, as much as we love Epcot and Mikhailo just loves Epcot, it's his favorite park. Um, you know, it's it's something that, and I, I think about this every time I'm on the People Mover and I see that model of of the Epcot that could have been along that trip. Um, you know, I think about it every time, like what could have happened had Walt stayed alive longer and was able to complete that project? Would it have failed? I mean, that's how it looked for everyone. Every single project that Walt wanted to do, they said it couldn't be done. There's no way. You look at, um, you look at the loss of Oswald and the Lucky Rabbit. Charles Mintz thought that he had this guy. He he was done. I've got his animators. I've got his character. There's no way he's going to recover from this. But the tenacity of Walt didn't let that stop him, and he kept going. Uh, you know, he wanted to be in the military. He did that. He wanted. Um, he wanted to create a movie about dwarfs, a long movie, not just a short. And they said it was Walt's folly. And he completed it, and it made the company enough money to make a few more pictures and continue going. Um, he wanted to build Disneyland. Again, it's a Walt's folly type of thing. There's no way he's going to do this to the point that Roy told him he could not use Mickey Mouse. That iconic uh, garden right in front of Disneyland as you walk in, that was not there in the original plans. Roy told him he could not use it. It only became part of the park when it was already successful. Roy finally said, okay, kid, go ahead. And, you know, that was protecting the brand that is Mickey Mouse. Um, so, you know, like these are some of the examples through his life where he was so tenacious in what he did. And I keep using that word because I just feel like it's the right word in this case. Um, he just wanted to complete everything. So I look at Epcot and I wonder what could have been. He was out to serve the great urban dilemma and he didn't get that opportunity. You know, you look at Walt Disney World and Mikhailo have had, and I have had this conversation on the show that, you know, they've built an entire city there. Not just the parks, but everything surrounding it within their uh, improvement district. That is all um, a city. And, you know, you could make the argument that they've built that on their own there. Uh, I don't know that it solves any of those urban problems that Walt was looking to complete but what could have been. And so I'll leave you with this. Um, in part of my research for today's show, I came across an article um, on the WDW radio uh, website where somebody was talking about Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and finding Disney, and I thought that was interesting. Um, and it it spoke a little bit about nose art on planes. Um, in case you're unaware, Oshkosh, Wisconsin holds one of the largest aviation get-togethers uh, in the nation and um, they get many many great exhibits there 
for every year for this convention. Um, and this particular article was talking about some of the Mickey and Minnie nose art that was done on these planes. Um, Walt did some art of his own while he was serving in France for the Red Cross. He would uh, put paintings on um, these trucks that were being driven around and to the point that people were asking him to do it. Uh, he was doing drawings of different things. There is a famous photo of him standing by his truck with a drawing on the truck. Um, I, I can't remember if it was him or, or who it was, but uh, it's it's an interesting little drawing on there, and that's you know part of what he was known for uh, within the Red Cross uh, service group. So, uh, again, it, it just all these different nods that you can see to what, ended up building this man and uh i hope you guys will go on out and let people know that despite some of the negative things that are going around with uh the company and with walt that he really was a positive figure for this country he really was somebody that you can look at for inspiration and i tend i try to do that all the time i try to find ways to see what walt's done to keep um, me driving through certain things, um, whether it's my job, my kids, uh, my hobbies, this podcast, whatever it may be, um, I think that he is a great source of inspiration. So anyway, that's all I've got for you guys this week. I hope you had a good time, and as we always say, some live close, but others don't. So let's talk about it.